Hello everyone, welcome back to Breaking Apostolic Taboo. I'm Bailey Romans, and on this podcast we like to talk about things that have a little bit of a taboo around them, Um, and we like to break the stigma and break the awkwardness around certain subjects, and so along with that, we like to educate. We want you to be educated on ways to help yourself, ways to help others get through these certain circumstances that we all go through. Last time we did a series on mental illnesses and this time we're going to be doing Redeemed Sexuality by Andrew A. Boa. It is a 12 session, so 12 weeks, and we are super excited. We want to give you some practical resources to help you combat some of these sexual issues. And because a lot of churches do not have a program to help people that struggle with pornography addiction and sexual addiction in general, um, hopefully this will help you. This is a good resource. You can find it on Amazon. If you would like to do this at your church or with a small group, if you would like to start it, um, I will have a Dropbox if you want to do this on your own personal time and uh, with the worksheets that you'll need um, to fill out if you would like to participate. And thank you so much for joining us and I hope you enjoy this episode. Before this episode starts, we would just like to let you know that this episode may not be suitable for young ears. We use some harsher language because we're being open and honest and we're going to use our real terms and not, um, we're not going to cover up anything. This episode may not be suitable for young children. I want to start this episode by reading an invitation to the broken which is the first little section of this book. Um, If you have this book, I would love if you could follow along with us. Um, I'm super excited. So let's start by reading this section. Sexual brokenness is no longer the exception among young Christians. It is the norm. Internet porn, sexual assault and abuse, and overall sexual self-centeredness plague Christians and non-Christians alike. Validizing God's beautiful gift of sexuality Christians are called to value and celebrate sexuality as sacred and good, yet our sexuality is more often a source of fear, shame, or secret sin than love, joy, and intimacy with God and others. What was intended to be a place of holy conception and captivation has become a place of helplessness, captivity for countless people inside and outside the church. How did this happen? Certainly... The problem is not a lack of instruction. There have never been more books, sermons, and other resources available on the topic of sexuality than there is now. Most young Christians know the rules. They have been taught what to believe and how not to behave sexually. The real problem lies in the deficiency in our entire approach to the subject of sex. Growing up, most of us were taught that sexual purity meant holding our breath sexually until marriage when we would finally be able to let it all out. We learn what to avoid sexually, but not what to pursue, missing out on the reason why God made us sexual beings, to draw us into deep intimacy with himself and others. Married or not, this gap has left a generation of Christians ill-equipped to face complex sexual challenges and heal from sexual brokenness. Where sexually broken people seek real acceptance, and significance through the love of God and community instead of through sexually broken behaviors. 
It also offers a mature answer to burning questions of so many emerging adults. As a single, unmarried Christian, what am I supposed to do with my sexual desires? We are all called to pursue intimacy with God and others rather than reject our identity as sexual beings. We can embrace our identity as people who are created for holy love and healthy relationships. Christianity offers us a mature view of sexuality. Sex is not gross, but it is not God either. Sexuality is good and it's a gift. Precisely because our sexuality is so good, God protects it with specific boundaries. He designed sexual union to take place within a context of marriage, and he forbids us to treat other people as sexual objects. We are called to cherish, protect, and honor the image of God in all people with our sexuality. Only then can we experience it as a gift instead of a burden. A Christian view of sexuality frees us to celebrate sex without worshiping it. Because our sexuality is good, we are invited to pursue and enjoy intimacy with others, whether we are single, dating, or married. As a result, our job is neither to suppress nor to always satisfy our desires, but to surrender them in self-giving love, just like God has been doing since before the world began. Whether you're a part of a campus ministry, a Christian college, or a local call or local church, I invite you on a journey, not just to sexual purity, but to sexual maturity. This journey is a process of healing and transformation in community. In Redeemed Sexuality, we participate in this process by participating vulnerability, embracing our identity in Christ, and learning healthy intimacy. By growing in these three areas, we begin to display Christ-like sexuality as sexual shame and sin lose their power. This journey is not simply about avoiding sexual sin, but about learning to love like Jesus. Through Him, even in our sexual, sexual broken and battered world, freedom is real and healing is available. No matter what kind of sexual shame, sin, or brokenness you struggle with, there is good news for you. In Christ, there is no condemnation. Romans 8 and 1. There's forgiveness and healing. 1 Peter 2, 24. And there is everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 2 Peter 1, 3. The journey of discipleship towards sexual wholeness is neither linear nor easy. Change is possible because Christ is able. The only question left is, do you want to be healed? John 5, 6. We're in theme one, which is called vulnerability. A common vocabulary. The language we use to talk about sexual thoughts and behaviors makes a significant difference in the way we experience the healing process. In a group, clinical language tends to be more helpful than slang or euphemisms. For example, saying, I watched pornography and masturbated twice communicates more clearly and descriptively than saying, I messed up or I fell. Vague euphemisms like I fell can be used as walls to hide behind. We want to use non-judgmental language that is specific enough to be clear while avoiding crude, immature, or in- inappropriate descriptions of sexual thoughts and behaviors. It is also possible to be too specific and give so much information that it can cause others to stumble. So although we don't need to shy away from using explicit sexual language, we do not need to dwell on it either, because there is no single type of language that works in all circumstances. We must use discernment to choose which language to use in a given situation, since clinical language is most often the appropriate type of language to use in a group. Everyone in your group should become familiar with an important technical 
simple sexual terms relating to sexual sexuality, sexual brokenness, and sexual wholeness. This section is intended to give you a shared vocabulary of sexual language to use in your group. It is not a comprehensive list, but a tool to promote healthy dialogue. Learning to think about and talk about sexuality differently starts with a clear understanding of terminology. Sexuality is our God-given capacity for intimate relating and connecting. Sexuality is a much larger category than sex. It describes who we are as human beings. We are sexual at our core, whether or not we participate in sexual behaviors. All human relationships involve sexuality in some way because sexuality affects all of life. Same-sex attraction is when an individual is attracted to those of the same gender. It is helpful to note that the distinction between attraction and behavior. Sexual brokenness is what happens when sexuality is used for selfish gain rather than self-giving love. Sometimes this brokenness is the result of what we have done. Sometimes it is the result of what others have done to us. Sexual brokenness can be both a cause and effect of deep wounds and broken relationships, changing God's good gift of sexuality into a burden rather than a blessing. It is essentially a form of relational impoverishment, including spiritual, social, mental, emotional, biological, and systematic dimensions. Sexual brokenness includes the following terms. Sexual sin is any attitude or attraction that departs from or rebels against God's design for sexuality. Sexual lust is the sin of focusing on someone as an object or of your sexual desire for selfish purpose. Love gives, lust takes. Sexual shame is self-loathing and condemnation rooted in sexual issues. Sexual shame is different from sexual guilt. It has been said that we experience guilt when we know we have made a mistake, which is often true, but we experience shame when we believe we are a mistake, which is a lie from the enemy. Sexual harassment is unwelcome conduct of sexual nature, including unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, and other verbal, nonverbal, graphic, or physical conduct of sexual nature without regard to whether the parties are of the same or different genders. Sexual assault is a particular type of sexual harassment that includes physical and sexual acts perpetrated when consent is not present where a person is incapable of giving consent or coherent or cohesion and or focus is used. This includes non-consensual sexual conduct as well as non-consensual sexual intercourse or penetration. Sexual abuse is anything that hinders and inhibits healthy sexual development, including but not limited to traumatic sexual experiences. Under this definition, sexual abuse can be physical, verbal, emotional, or spiritual. Anything that has hindered or sexual, our sexual development, sexual abuse often comes from parents, pastors, or peers who may or may not have intended to hurt us. Sexual abuse is always fault of the sexual abuser, not the sexually abused. Sexual addiction refers to an unhealthy pattern of sexual behavior that has become unmanageable. The pattern continues to escalate despite increasing negative con consequences to oneself or others. Sexual addiction is a condition of the brain. Sexual addiction people or sexually addicted people have trained their brains to seek out sexual stimulation as a mood altering experience rather than a way to connect with others. For the addicted sexual action 
For the addicted, sexual activity functions are coping mechanisms to medicate underlining pain. Sexual co-addiction or codependency refers to an unhealthy pattern of compromising one's own sexual values in order to avoid rejection. Partners of sexual addicts are people who enable others to engage in unwelcome sexual activity. They may allow a partner or a spouse to mistreat them or to cheat on them with one someone else. They will ignore the problem, rejecting their own feelings as an individual and seeking validation from another person. They too require sexual recovery. Sexual strongholds are power basis of sexual thoughts, lies, and habits standing in opposition to Christ. Sexual indulgence is giving in to sexual temptation via sinful behavior, also known as acting out. Sexual repression is the willful suppression of and suffocation of sexual desire, also known as acting in. Sexual accusation is the voice of condemnation and self-loathing in response to sexual sin and shame. Slips are one-time isolated instances of briefly returning into sexually broken behaviors before admitting it and recommitting to recovery. SLIP stands for a short lapse in progress. Relapses are periods of repeated returns into sexually broken behaviors. In a relapse, the person acts out but chooses not to admit or addresses it and abandons the road to recovery. Masturbation refers to sexual self-stimulation culminating in orgasms, often paired with pornography use, but not necessarily. Masturbation teaches us that, that immediate gratification is a part of sex, and masturbation removes sex from the relationship. Indeed, the whole point of masturbation is to provide the release and pleasure of an orgasm without the work and the joy of a relationship. Pornography refers to the graphic depiction of human bodies in order to elect sexual arousal. However, different kinds of media can be used pornographically, even if they were not intended to produce such an effect. It must also be noted that pornography is not only an issue of private morality, but systematic injustice. The $100 billion industry of internet pornography perpetrates sex trafficking around the world. Sexual wholeness is what happens when sexuality fulfills God's desire or design as a vehicle for self-giving love. Sexual wholeness can be both a cause and effect of healing relationships with God and others. Sexually healthy people experience God's good gift of sexuality, not as a burden, but as a blessing that draws them out of themselves into life as it was meant to be. Lived sexual health is a form of relational flourishing that includes spiritual, relational, mental, emotional, biological, and systematic dimensions. Sexually whole people worship God by enjoying life and loving others with abandon. Sexual wholeness includes the following terms. Sexual purity is the state of living in complete harmony with God's design for human sexuality. Sexual integrity is the practice of behaving in complete harmony with one's sexual standards. Sexual discipline is the practice of continually reforming one's sexual desires, thoughts, and actions. Sexual discipleship is the process of becoming more and more Christ-like in regard to our sexuality. 
Sexual freedom is the experience of regaining independence from unwanted, unmanageable sexual patterns. Sexual healing or sexual recovery is the process of regaining sexual wholeness for those who have experienced sexual shame, sin, addiction, assault, or abuse. Sexual sobriety or sexually sober is the state in which someone going through sexual recovery successfully refrains from unhealthy or addictive behaviors. Sexual context are the life situations in which we are called to steward our sexuality. Not all of us find ourselves in the same situation. Sexuality speaking, while we are all called to be the same set of standards according to God's design for sexuality, the way we are called to live out those standards depends on the sexual context we find ourselves inhabiting. Appropriate sexual contexts include the following possibilities. Singleness is being uncoupled, a context in which sexual desires are to be directed non-erotically. Celibacy is a committed is committed to abstain from marriage slash sexual union from for the sake of God's kingdom. Dating is a middle ground for couples to learn, grow, and discern between singleness and marriage. Marriage is a covenant of lifelong sexual monogamy between a man and a woman made before God and the surrounding community. Marriage is the only appropriate context for sexual union according to God's design. So, in this half of this lesson, I am, as the leader, (laughs) I know we're not a group group, but um, as the leader, I am supposed to talk about um, my sexual history, and so I'm just going to give you a summary. I know you've heard some of it through our podcast, if you've listened, because we just did our whole month talking about pornography, and we talked about it. And so, I'll just start at the beginning, um, raised in a great home, whatever, y'all know all that. Um, at seven years old, I watched my first pornographic video and became addicted. Um, I was addicted to pornography from the time I was seven till the time I was about 16, 17-ish, um, somewhere in that area. And, um, along the way, I also, um, it opened doors for me and I, I, um, I had a sexual relationship with an older male, which at, at the time I thought was consensual because... I I liked him. I thought he was my boyfriend. But now that I look back, he was grooming me. He was not a good person. And it it became abusive over time. And so, thus, the the relationship was abusive and was um, almost um, a a pedophile. Um, Anyways, I'll just leave that there. Um, So that happened to me when I was about 12 and then along the way I mean I had relationships with other males uh, several other males and I I was and when I say relationship I had sexual relationships um with other males I never lost my virginity um I think thank the lord you know um but in a sense I did I did lose my virginity because I gave parts of myself away to other people and I was, um, I was around there. (laughs) I was, anyways. And then I got married, or I met my husband. I was in in a place where I wanted to give up. 
I was very done with life. And then I met my husband. And things changed. I realized I loved him and I wanted a change for him. And so we got married when I, we got engaged when I was 17. And then we got married when I, I had just turned 19. Uh, Two weeks before we got married, I had just turned 19. And so now we, in October this year, 2021, we have been married, we will have been married for five years. And um, there's been a lot of growing because I brought in a lot of issues that I hadn't dealt with. And from my past and from dealing with everything, I had to go to therapy for a little while. Um, And so that is my sexual history. Um, I'm very open with sharing. If you want to know more, you can message me or if you want to talk. You can message me about that, that we will move on. The next step is preparing your story. This week, your leader, me, (laughs) has shared her story. And this following exercise is going to help you for the next time, the next episode. Telling your story is never easy, but it's the first step to finding freedom and healing from sexual brokenness. It involves talking about parts of your life that are painful, ugly, and shame-filled. Telling your story will require taking a long, hard look into your own past and present before bringing the darkness into the light when you share with your group. This will require ruthless honesty. Whatever shameful experience you might be hesitant about sharing is, is exactly what you need to share. It is so vulnerable, so scary, so necessary, and so freeing when you unload your heaviest baggage even things that make you disgusted with yourself. The response will not be scorn. The response will be relief as people realize that they are not the only ones who hurt. There, the place of deep rejection and self-loathing becomes the place of deep grace and acceptance. The next pages will help you process your own story individually before sharing it with others. And so... I will have a Dropbox folder in our link tree on our Instagram page with the next two pages because they want, he has a list of positive experiences and negative experiences that you can go through and circle uh, what words apply to you. So you can go through and do that. And we have some questions here like explore the sexually concept bank. And recall any significant elements, events, people, or places shaped your sexuality. And then fill in the following lines with key points you will share when you tell your story. And maybe find someone, if you're going to do this with us, find someone that you can do this with. And so I will put all of that in um, this Dropbox folder. And that is it for this week. I really am enjoying this. I've been reading this and I love it. And so um, I hope you join us next time on Redeemed Sexuality. And I am Bailey Romans. And this is also Breaking Out the Sly Taboo. So I will see y'all next week.